Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Good morning, John. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Thanks. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Today, I have John Clendaniel with Delaware State University, and let's let's get right to it. Tell me about your organization, what your role is, and uh, who, who do you all serve? Um, well, I'm with Delaware State University, one of the 1890 land-grant universities here in Delaware. So we are one of these minority-serving institutions. So our project is that focus. Uh, and my role here as ag program leader will be to make sure all our ag extension programs serve the communities that we're looking for and look like a very similar thread throughout the state. Tell me a little bit about your project. Like, why was it needed? Why was it necessary? In working with some of the groups, uh, I was working with some, we have, we ran a similar program. We called the DSU Farm School, working with beginning and minority farmers that were trying to get into farming. And then working with some of the, talking with some of the chiefs for our, our tribal communities, for the Nanticoke and the Lenny Lenape, I was hearing that they were very interested in trying to get some of the next generation back into farming. They spent so much time trying to get them away from farming that they realized they no longer were connected to the earth and that was a problem. So then they wanted to get back to it. So then we focused another project working with that tribal communities. So you had a farm school, you're already working with underserved communities, beginning farmers, and then you engaged with um, Native Americans in your area. And they said, actually, we have an interest too. So you just replicated it and made your audience more specific. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So we, we targeted a similar program, but we targeted a, a specific audience, even though it's open still to other uh, beginning and interested farmers that want to participate. But yeah, we did create the focus for advertisement and everything to be with the Nanny Coke and the Lenny Lenape. How does your program help beginning farmers? Uh, tell me more about like, what does the farm school do? How are y'all laid out and, and how were you able to in, engage with these different communities? I mean, I've been here at Delaware State for over 20 years, so I have been working with minority groups throughout the state that are interested in farming straight through. But what we really found in this particular project, it's, this will be the third cycle of the farm school. And, you know, the reason why we targeted it was really because they had requested us to do so. We we didn't have a lot of interaction with the tribal communities. A couple people participated in projects, whether it was tractor driving for adults or it was other specific things that we were doing, profiting from a few acres, conferences, whatever it was. So with, you know, kind of leading in, one of them said, hey, you know, you should talk to the chief and see if it's something that, you know, we should do. So I met with them ahead of time to both chiefs and uh, uh, just had conversations and, and they were like, you know, this would be great if we could, you know, partner and, and try to get this going on. Um, you know, we'd be interested. So that's why we wrote it up uh, to do a retake specifically to target this group because it hasn't been really targeted in the state and see what happened. Sounds really neat. How was the like setup of the school any any different as a result of the audience or the things that you were trying to teach? Tell me a little bit about maybe how your school might have been different with this particular audience. Similar to the other other two rounds, but um, this particular one we we changed not from one of our 
university locations. We went to another farm. So we leased some land from and a building from one of the, the Nanticoke farmers in the lower county. And uh, so, you know, so it's away from our university to on site to them. So between uh, renting their community center and renting space and and land from this farm, it allowed us to hold our program there. And the way our program works is there's an educational thread that goes, you know, teaching the business and the marketings and all the different pieces, as well as what we call participatory sites. So we have areas in aquaculture, which we do that, you know, both aquaculture and, and so hydroponics combine the aquaponics. And then we have regular vegetable production. We have small ruminant production. We do poultry as well. So we call those participatory sites because they not only get education about that enterprise, but they get hands-on experience because we're growing the product right there with them. So they get to experience it throughout the year. Oh, that's really neat. So first you get some classroom training and then you get to go out into the field and, and test it out. So how long does the program last? Is it a full year? 10 months. So, and of course, with the pandemic, because this needed to be in person, we got stalled. So we got to, you know, we got to build some stuff. We got to buy some stuff. We got to work with the people. And then we got to wait because we weren't able to actually hold the training. I couldn't switch it to Zoom because the end result when we're done leaves the community of the class a actual network of farmers that can work together. And we've seen that work really well the last couple of times. So we don't want to miss out that in-person effect, one with the hands-on skill training, but also the network that they create when they work together. There's no right answer, right, to this like pandemic question that we had, right? Do you move to Zoom? Do you do you wait and try to build your skill set in the meantime, right? Like wait for the match and get stronger in the meantime? You know, do you emphasize that in-person learning? So I, I completely get your approach and I think that that makes a lot of sense. Do you have any stories about how the program has maybe helped someone to become a farmer or improve their situation? We have uh, several people that actually have gone from in the neighborhood to purchasing farms and are farming now, you know, and one was starting at part-time and worked up to full-time. The second one is still considered part-time farming and, the, and they're still working off-farm job as well. But uh, both of which basically were just gardening and, uh, and liking what they were doing. They went through the class because they were interested. And then with the connections that we give, it's not only to give you a mentor and other farmers and giving you a mentor and extension staff, but it also connects you with the USDA programs people. So they, they get to learn about the programs and how they work and what's going on. So they were able to get loans and, and buy farms and actually start farming. And the one that's really running full time right now, I mean, is, is very impressive, you know, because they're a young couple and, and you know, the median age of farmers are really in that 65, 67, you know, so when you have someone in their 30s that's starting a new family and, and doing and they're still full time farming, it's pretty awesome. I think it's great. And if you're brand new to it, you know, you don't have a family that farmed or your parents didn't farm and you're brand new, that makes total sense that you would start out real small gardening and then maybe part time while working a job and then eventually full time. So I think it speaks volumes about your program. If you already have some folks that have been able to, you know, make the transition from living in a neighborhood to to buying land to being a full time farmer, Uh, how would a beginning farmer engage with your program? So basically, when they sign up, there is no cost to the farmers. There's just the commitment. 
So they are required to, you know, they can't miss more than one class. So they are required to make all these classes, which, you know, can be a couple a month because of participatory pieces of the enterprise is separate from the main course. So when they're taking the business side, and the other side of the enterprise they chose. So their commitment is literally going through the process and going through it all. But yeah, so they they just sign up and we, we, you know, bring them in. It is, it recycles each year. So, I mean, we'll do the one and then we'll start another. And we're going to try to continue doing just that as we go. So we'll work in Sussex County or Lower County. Then we'll come back to Kent County and, and then maybe even do Newcastle County, which is a stretch for us because our sister institution pretty much is covering that area. You know, the other land grant for the, is in the state. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out and uh, and what partners we can bring to the table to, to try to make this work and expand. But we are working on a, a sort of a phase two as we speak. Uh, we got some congressional funding and working with the Department of Ag in our state to do a incubator on our research outreach farm. So we're going to let farm interested farmers or or people that are interested in farming actually get a quarter acre or a half acre, start growing some vegetables at no cost to them. And then they can sell the product, see what the work is, see what everything is, along with some mentorship so that they could actually feed themselves up in the process of becoming farmers. Once you know the work and you know uh, what's required of it, it does make a difference because we're having a hard time with ours. The land's expensive. So finding land to rent, getting started is tricky. So we're just kind of trying to jumpstart that this coming year with uh, Farm Incubator and and see if we can't use other farms in the state that the state owns to multiply that and make that more effective across the board. I mean, you emphasize the importance of the in-person learning and the hands-on training. So that's just right the next logical step. Some, some of our next adventures, um, just kind of looking at this incubator, we may try to capture some of the youth because of the push from the Lenny Lenape and the and the Nanakook to try to reach their, you know, sort of that next gen, right? The 20-year-olds, the 18-year-olds, the 16-year-olds even. We're looking at maybe even targeting and working with some of the FFA coordinators for the schools and maybe try to bring some of the school kids in to see if we can't spark that that interest in farming and let them see what's involved, the business side of things and the work side of things, and mentor them a little bit and see if we can't maybe get an earlier push in that farming world. That's going to be the that's the third step. So we're sort of we're, we know that the group that we're working with is looking for land and, and places. So we're going to do the, the incubator so they can continue to work with them. But the next step is going to be bringing in some youth and seeing if we can't jumpstart that love for ag earlier than, let's say, 30s and 40s. And some of our people are retirees. Let's not kid themselves. They're still in that median age of farming that are interested in farming, just never did it, and they want to do it. But yeah, so we're hoping that the youth might be our third step. That's our next outreach to try to reach to. I think it's really exciting that you want to get the youth involved. I think you're going to have great success doing that. I think there's a lot of young people that are really interested in it or once they really learn what it's about. I'm I'm a young guy, so I, I make sure that people understand the business of it and the problem that some of the beginning farmers or some of the hobbyists that are interested, they don't take it serious. They use their 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 real income that came from their job 
to supplement their hobby. And uh, so what our big push for me is transitioning away from the hobby and actually making it a real job so that it becomes something that they're looking at the business side of things. And if it doesn't make sense on paper, it's definitely not going to make sense, you know, in the real world. If it makes sense on paper, it might make sense in the real world. So it forces the hand. But the reason why the youth probably would be more interested is that other side, that hands-on side. So they're not stuck in the classroom, right? Because everyone hates the classroom. You know, no one loves econ, right? So that's the part I'm talking about. But, you know, but when you get to the other side, the participatory sites, and then this incubator and, and beyond, then all of a sudden people are getting excited. But I just want to keep them to be entrepreneurs, right? These young people and everyone that's participating, I want them to be business mindseted. So that's how that works. If you're going to be farming, you got to be profitable. Businesses don't stay in business because they're not profitable. So I completely agree. And that's uh, that's really wise too, just to, to emphasize that part. So what advice do you have for somebody who has a beginning farmer program or works with beginning farmers? Well, I mean, I, I would say that the two things I kind of just run for ours, right? So the program based, you have to give them some business mindset. You have to get them out of the, the thought process that they can fund it through some other source. That's a terrible idea. So making sure they're thinking about it as a business and they're going to make money doing just what they're doing, which is, you know, growing crops or vet animals or whatever piece of this they want. They can sell eggs. They can do anything, but make it as a business. Two is to make sure that they have some mentoring, some people around to ask the questions because so many of our young you know, people or people that are beginning farmers, they get lost in the stuff they don't know and then they can't figure out their way through, right? So you can join a couple organizations, you can be a part of Farm Bureau, you can do a lot of things and have people to talk to, but not knowing your extension agents and not getting that extra mentoring that you could get if you knew those people and what they're looking for makes a huge difference. So, I mean, if they have programs, making sure that people are comfortable with the extension staff, making sure they're comfortable with their USDA staff, whether NRCS, FSA, rural development, but just making those connections so that the person doesn't feel lost. They feel like they they kind of have friends in this world that they can ask what they need to know next. It makes a huge difference. Great advice from uh, from you, John. Where can people learn more about your program? What's the the website? Do you have any social media handles? Yeah, we we have uh, you know the DSU Small Farms is a part of Facebook, so that's our Facebook page. And then if you go to www.desu.edu backslash cast, which is the College of Ag Science and Technology, um, you'll see the extension page, which has some stuff on on the farming as well. Okay, so desu.edu slash cast. So that's where our fact sheets and all our program information is as well, some of the calendar things. We also are going to put things on uh, the Center of Excellence for Small Farms uh, with the 1890s. We have some of our stuff that's actually being put into that, into a national uh, registry for, you know, reaching out through all the 1890s as well. Very good. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation today and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. Tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. 
The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. 